What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome back to the Toolkit Depot studio out here at Optus Stadium. Joining me in the studio now is Paul Hazelby, Fremantle legend. Of course, he is also one half of the run home with Hayes and Mardo on SENWA, 3 p.m. weekdays. Hayes, welcome. Great to be with you, Duff. A big day yesterday, and it's carried on today. Yes, and we've got a caller on the line. Ben from Murdoch wants to talk about the older Eagles players. Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys, for having me. Um... Paul, I'd like to get your thoughts on this. Um, if Fremantle had the losses like West Coast are having at the moment, do you think really the coach would have survived the first two, let alone the last two? I just want to understand why West Coast are so arrogant in thinking that they're just not in the pit of they, they are in. And they, why, why won't they come out and say that they are in real trouble? And the just like the arrogance is unbelievable of this club just to just define where they're at, really. Yeah, I think it's a little bit different in this case because you've got a premiership coach, so you take that into account. And the contract is a big reason that I have no doubt in the world that if there was no contract in place, Adam Simpson would no longer be the coach of the West Coast Eagles. So I think when you factor those two things in, that's where you get to. In terms of the arrogance, look, they've been a successful club for a long time. I think they know where they're at, but they're just trying to project project to their fans that it's not as bad and they're in control, but they have lost control of this and unfortunately it requires major change. Ben, did you have any thoughts on with the older players? How many should go? How many should stay? Um, I think I think a lot of them should go, especially the likes of Gaff, Darling, um, Seed. You'd even have to trade off McGovern or Barras. You might even have to look at Shui and Natanui and Yo. I think all of them have to be cleaned out because they've just got nothing coming through at all. And you talk about Fremantle's this profile. You look at our games experience and our 21-year-old and above players. Like they've just got they've got nothing at the moment. Like, and it's going to take five or ten years to build that up again because they've got no draft picks either. All right, Ben. Thanks very much for your call, mate. Interesting thoughts. And uh, we've got another call coming through from Scott in Belga. Scott wants to talk about Liam Henry. Welcome. Well, morning, guys. I've been watching Liam Henry since he came to the club because I'm a 27-year Docker member. And the, the way he's, like last week, I know it's only one game, but you can see his maturity is starting to come through. He's realising that he's not the only player in the team. It's a team effort. And Justin Longmuir's uh, ethos is team first, you're second. But, uh, and Joel Corey's and uh, Nat Fife and Michael Walters is helping this young kid and he's listening. And he has, he has to take credit for his listening to other, these mature age players and stepping, uh, starting to step up a little bit. It turned around for me probably six weeks ago when he started to put a good block together in the waffle competition after he lost his spot for the first or second time this year. And I watched him play late last year and there was just no second effort. There was no defence. And that pleased me the most on the weekend, that if you talk and listen to what came out of the defensive group, they thanked him a lot because of his work rate to get back. And if you're going to play wing, you need to get back and support and be that seventh man on occasions. He's always been good with ball in hand. He looks smooth. He has turned the ball over a bit 
bit in the past, but what I loved on the weekend, he turned one over, but the very next kick he went again, he went hard. Now, what I will say is they played the Bombers, and the Bombers are very different with their wingers. So Nick Martin is probably the best wingman in the comp right now, and what he does, he doesn't go up and back the same side of the ground. He goes everywhere, and what Justin Longmuir did on the weekend, which was fascinating, I reckon he highlighted that that wing, Liam Henry, is our open side, and if Nick Martin wants to go all over the ground, we're going to go through Liam Henry. So it worked, and it was really good coaching, and that's why we saw Liam Henry get so much ball. That won't be the case all the time, because you get your side bottoms, your Ed Langdons, they just go up and back from week to week. So he'll have to find other ways to find the footy. But positive signs? The other thing to this, um, Duff, is his contract status. He, he's no, he's not in any rush. Yep. And we know sometimes with players, when they put it off for a little while and the other offers come, and there's an article today that North Melbourne are showing some interest as well. We've heard Melbourne in the past. It's going to be a fascinating to watch to see how this plays out over the last part of the season. Yep, it is. And a uh, great call from Scott. Thank you so much for getting involved in the show. Pays, it's a really good point that you make. It's also, I think, the, the follow-up point that you make about Liam is that in the AFL, there's how well you can play, there's how often you can play well. So big game mm. for Liam this weekend. The Bulldogs have a powerful midfield. And uh, I'm going to ask you uh, a bit about this later on the segment because they, well... To put a colloquial term on it, they spifflocated Fremantle through the midfield the last time they played at Optus Stadium, won by 49 points. So that's going to be a fascinating watch for Liam. What did you make of Fremantle's win over the Bombers? How much? Sensational. Slow start again, a concern. But what I do know is when Fremantle get in front, get on their own terms, they can then utilise the ball movement that works for them when they control the ball. And we saw a bit of that uh, in the second half. Luke Ryan obviously getting a number of possessions. I normally don't like Luke Ryan getting the ball 30 times because what happens, it just tells you and signals that they're chipping around too much in defence. But even he was more aggressive with some of those kicks on occasions and yep. went through the corridor. And what they're doing is not looking wide first. The option's there, but then they're taking it. Through the midfield, I thought they were fantastic. Sean Darcy made a big difference back in the ruck, gave them some more direction. Caleb Sarong has to be mentioned. His body work for a little midfielder, like he's not big like the other guys, but he was pushing Zach Merritt and Darcy Parrish off the ball, winning those clearances, coming out the front. And I think they kicked four goals from centre bounce, which is just elite in the competition. Um, Luke Jackson, got to tip my hat to him. He played really well in that forward role. I liked it not putting him in the ruck because they want to develop him as a forward and they need to, and it made the other players a little bit better with Joy Amos as well. Just a couple of things on him. He's kicking a lot of goals running in, being the open player, which is fantastic. He kicked two on the weekend from Leeds, and he got separation. It's probably the first time this year as a full forward, centre forward, he's got separation, four or five metres. Because what I've been finding is that when he gets body contact on him, that's when he's dropping that secondary mm. mark. Still an issue on those leading marks that he got. He double-touched both yep. of them. Yep. And if you're going to be a great forward, you like Matthew Lloyd, you need to go once because good defenders, they'll be watching and waiting for that. Buddy Franklin's a bit of a double-grabber as well, but they're just a few things that he can improve. And when he does, he's going to be hard to stop. So some real positive signs from Luke Jackson in the forward line. What it enables Amos to do is, is significant too, isn't it? Amos was well held on the weekend, didn't get off the chain mm. in contest at all, but was able to just gather a couple off the ground, be opportunistic, and the fact that they had a target ahead of the ball. Darcy worked hard to get 
ahead of the ball a few times as well to give him that target. He did spread hard, didn't he? Yeah. It's like he's watching Luke Jackson to see how hard he spreads. So maybe uh, in training he's chasing Luke Jackson and he's getting a bit more fitness. His start was outstanding, but Phillips was pretty good too. He um, was up there in the ruck taps and you would have expected maybe that Darcy would have dominated the hitouts, but it wasn't the case. But that... That combo is starting to work, and it was more based on Jackson being a standalone forward this week. Let's talk about this week against the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs beat Fremantle by 49 points at Optus Stadium earlier in the year, and these numbers, Hayes, are pretty significant, and I'm going to ask you what they do about this. Bond and Pally had 31 and kicked two goals with eight clearances. McRae had 29 and had 14 clearances. Trelaw had 35 and kicked two goals. Liberatory had seven clearances, 25 touches, kicked a goal. Bailey Williams kicked three goals off the halfback flank because their midfield was so dominant and they were able to push up the ground. I think um, Caleb Daniel kicked a goal as well. He runs around through the middle a bit, but also across halfback a bit. How do they tackle the midfield and make sure that they don't get dominant this weekend? Well, that's how they play, isn't it, the Bulldogs? Those numbers are pretty much every single week. They like to flip the ball around. I think Sean Darcy's important. I think we will get first use because Tim English, his weakness is hit-outs. He doesn't get too many in a game, particularly if there's a bigger opponent. So that'll be a fascinating matchup. But I think if you look at the Bulldogs, if, if the Dockers can bring their right pressure, they can expose that midfield because they go really hard one way. We know they're good with ball in hand. But if you can turn the ball over, and against the Bombers, they'd been the best team from taking the ball from the back 50 to the Ford 50, and they just didn't get a chance to do that. The pressure was elite from Fremantle, driven by those key forwards, and so the smaller forwards, but also through the midfield. I think you're going to be needing the pressure to be right to then bring guys like Brennan Cox and Luke Ryan and Alex Pierce into the mix to get some intercepts, because if you can get some intercepts and go quickly back the other way, that's where you can beat the Bulldogs. And they're having some real issues, the Bulldogs, inside their Ford 50, because you know they're not kicking it too well. Their forwards combination hasn't been great. And I think Rory Lobb was the big focus last time. I don't think they're going to fall for that again. It's going to be on win those clearances, contested possession. And if we don't, let's make sure we try and get that ball back as quick as we can. Yeah. The, the I mean, the Rory thing was a one-off, wasn't it? It mm. was the first game against his old club. He, he didn't leave under great circumstances, I don't think. Alex Pierce, the fact that he was subbed out of the game, that Justin Longmuir acknowledged that he's been playing with a bit of a niggle. Any concerns that he gets to the line this weekend? Has to be some concern, and you go back to that game. He played on Aaron Norton, and it was probably Aaron Norton's best game for the kick, year. Kick, kick three, three yeah. and looked really dangerous. And Norton hasn't been in great form. He's actually he's kicking one goal a game, two last week, and then found himself in defence, and that could happen again. But if they can stop him and they find the right matchup for Rory Lobb, then I think you know they're a pretty good chance because of that inside fifty efficiency that's been struggling really for the Bulldogs. Cody Waitman is the one, and you probably think, oh, who do you go with there? You've seen Luke Ryan playing some of those smaller, craftier types, but he was probably beaten by those two types in Dustin Martin and also Toby Green. So do you give it to Brandon Walker, who can certainly match him for speed? I, yeah, I reckon Brandon Walker's been pretty Yeah, he was good on the weekend. He's, he's not the perfect matchup for everyone. Like, I certainly um, didn't want to see him on Toby Green when they played mm. GWS, and I think they started with Luke Ryan for that matchup. That didn't go that well either, but but still, that's the way they started. But I think on the guy that mainly plays at ground level, I think Brandon Walker is a good matchup for someone like a, like a Cody Waitman. James Ace will probably be available this weekend. Um, he's always been a first-choice player, with Justin. So if James Ace comes back, what happens? How do they change it? Does he come in as a sub and Sam Sturt just goes out perhaps? No, I think he takes that wing back off Erasmus. 
Yep. He spent that most of his time. He was a bit quiet, a bit slow to get into the game, but found his way. But this is the problem with Erasmus. He's an inside midfielder that's been forced to play on the outside. So there's a fascinating watch on, on him and what happens in the back half of this year. But Justin does love what James H can bring. He can play the other wing side if he can get Henry on the other side, then all of a sudden you get some continuity. And what I do like about the game from Henry and also what Aish can bring is they can get high numbers, yep. which is good. Takes a bit of pressure off the guys on the inside. So I think they'll continue to go that way. And Aish in the past has gone on to Bonton Pally and played a role to try and take him out of the game. Yeah, Bonton Pally, super player, isn't oh, he? Oh, he's the best in the comp. Is he? You, you think yeah, he's, he's, he's now number one this year for me. He's yeah. just got everything. He's... So good on the inside. He's so clean with his hands. He's a really good field kick. He's everything bar a good goal kick, particularly from a set shot. Cause, and that's a shame because he gets forward and takes marks, mm. doesn't he? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he, he gives them a great target. Nathan Fife, good game on the weekend. There, there's something building there. But given they got monstered by the big doggy mids last time and Nathan Fife is starting to build around the contest, how important is he this weekend, do you think? Pretty important. They start him in the centre bounce on the weekend. They identified the week before clearance and contested possession were well down. So he plays a part in that. I still don't think he's anywhere near where he, he should be. Like he's missed a fair bit of footy. And I reckon his block when he first came back was probably a bit better than what we've seen over the last three weeks. So if they can get more out of him, Jagger O'Meara back to a pretty good game on the weekend as well. They absolutely have a part to play. You can't just leave it to Caleb Sarong, who is in all Australian team right now for me. He's also making a bit of a run for the Brownlow too. I know Dacos could be hard, but you've got to say, he's played well just about every game without going back to look at the wins. I reckon there's, you know, four or five times where they've won and he's been the best player, which gives you sort of 12 to 15 votes. Not a bad position to be in. They go all right at um, Marvel Stadium, Freo. Do you give them a good shot at beating the Doggies this week? Yeah, I do, because the Doggies give you a chance every single time. And whilst they were too good last time they played, we know what happened in the final last year. It's a good matchup and I reckon it's just going to come down for both teams is what they do inside their forward 50 because mm. at times both teams can struggle to take their opportunities with their kicks inside their forward 50. You would have had a quick look at the draw and the run home and some clubs have got quite soft draws and they're the clubs that, that Freo competes against for those seventh and eighth spots. Do you fancy their chances of playing finals at the moment? I, I need to see them this week. I know that's uh, sitting on the fence. But this is the, if they lose this game, it becomes hard. Yep. I think they need six out of nine. Yep. And when you've got games against Collingwood away, um, you've got Port Adelaide coming here as well. And there's some other ones in there that aren't gimmies back here at home, Carlton as well. So I think Brisbane here as well. So there's potentially three tough games. So if they lose to the Bulldogs this week, it becomes really difficult. They need to pinch a couple of marginal ones on the road, don't they? And then yep. this one... This one looks like one they can get. This one, I think they can get Collingwood. I'm not sure convinced Collingwood are going that well. Yeah, personally. Yeah, they lost to Melbourne. Probably weren't the better team on the weekend against Adelaide, who came back in and butchered some opportunities early in that game. So that one's gettable. And you know who knows where Port Adelaide and Brisbane are at at that particular time. But Fremantle at home always difficult to beat. Does Fremantle's style suit? Collingwood style though like to me I watched Adelaide play on the weekend and when Adelaide got 14 points in front I'm thinking keep playing mm. you know what I mean keep yep. doing what you've done to get 14 points in front and they slowed a little bit and they went a little bit safer as soon as you do that against Collingwood Collingwood gets so assertive and they get so on the fly it's almost inevitable that they're going to score 
yeah, uh, to some degree. Fremantle, who's a little bit more careful with the ball than other teams, it just feels like it plays into Collingwood's hands a bit. That careful nature gives them a better chance to defend. Like that's what that will probably help them and try and slow down the ball movement of Collingwood. But what they have done is come up with a system against Geelong, who are pretty good behind the ball team, and they came up a good system against Melbourne, very good with May and Lever. So can they do that with Darcy and trying to take those sort of types out of it? Darcy Moore, that is, um, with the way that they move the ball. Justin will come up with something, but you're right. It looks like two different opposing game styles coming together. Doesn't mean it can't be done. Hey, quick question on West Coast before I let you go. By the end of the season, is Adam Simpson still the coach of West Coast, do you think? No. Is Trevor Nisbet still the CEO at West Coast, do you think? In a handover period. Right. So you think... This is it. Nisbet will be given an end date, and Adam Simpson, he will either reach an agreement with the club and leave or... The, the problem they've got, Duff, is like no one really is in a position to make a decision right now on any part or department of the organisation. Is Nizzy... I wouldn't let Nizzy make the decisions again. And then you've got Gavin Bell in that position as well, but his position's not safe. If the new CEO comes in, I wouldn't be surprised if they come in with a broom and they make some calls on many of those key department areas and, and personnel. So it's hard. Just going back to... Uh, the retirements, you did a terrific job off the top. Luke Shuey's a fascinating one. Yeah, I'm he's, with he's, you. He's the tough one. I'm, I'm with you that uh, I think it's time to move him on because what's the upside? He comes back, he plays 12 games next year, and everybody talks about you need their leadership. Well, they've got their leadership this year. It's not making one iota yep. of difference. But another club will pick up Luke Shuey. Yep. If, if Liam Shields, for instance, can go to North Melbourne, then I think the same applies for Luke Shuey, that you could get him as a delisted free agent for absolutely nothing, base wage, and I think he could be pretty important to the right club. Yeah, and that's fine. West Coast just have to say, yeah, yeah that, that's okay. I mean, Luke Shuey's played six of 14 games yep. this year. I think he played seven of 22 in 2021. And Luke was saying, oh, I had a great year last year, didn't miss many games. He missed five games last year. So this is not a great... Trend and he's 34 next year. And whether it's the right or wrong call, take age out of it. David Mundy was going a lot better than Luke Shuey and Shannon Hearn yep. when he was told, basically, I think from Fremantle to say, mate, we think it's time. There's no doubt. And they love what David did when he had the ball yep. and they didn't like what happened when Fremantle didn't have the ball. That was the, the crux of that. Hayes, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for bringing so much to the table again today. Don't forget, you can hear more of Hayes' wisdom on the run home with Hayes and Mardo, SENWA, 3 p.m. weekdays. If you want to have your say on anything we've talked about on the show, the Temper at Bedshed text line, 0487 736 736. Or if you want to call us, like Ben and Scott did, you can on 13 12 55, the open line. This is Mornings with Mark Duffield on SENWA. Second quarter. Kick 15 goals, 15 coming in tonight for the year. And that one. We're behind. Now the switch is on. Hunter's pushed to the outer side. Green has to go down the middle. Stay-